Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old dot-com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. Disruption in Startup Nation. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Dramali. Thousands of Israelis and Palestinians have lost their lives since Hamas gunmen staged their surprise raid on October 7th. In the wake of the attack, Israel's defense forces have called up more than 350,000 reservists, about 4% of its population. The country's booming tech industry could be affected more than most, given that so many younger Israelis work in the sector. Fast Company contributing writer Izzy Lepowski recently interviewed several of them, including an Israeli tech lawyer named Yitzi Hammer. On October 7th, he was, like a lot of people, um, getting ready to you know, celebrate the end of the Jewish high holidays and celebrate Sabbath. You know, he woke up to what sounded like bombs going off, and it wasn't until he was on his way to synagogue that he realized that Hamas had invaded and obviously returned home. You know, he spent some of that day in his home with his children, sheltering in a bomb shelter. And by Sunday, um, the very next day, um, because he's a reservist with the Israeli Defense Forces, he was headed about an hour south to a military base on the Gaza border, where he's now, you know, spending... 12 hours a day uh, working out of a fortified caravan to serve as a legal advisor to the Israeli Defense Forces. Mm -hmm. And his day job is actually as a lawyer as well, but he usually works in the tech sector, working with emerging companies in the tech sector in Israel. I wonder if you can give us a sense of the scale of the tech industry in Israel. How big is it? The tech sector in Israel is a huge part of the economy. It accounts for about one-fifth of Israel's annual GDP and about 10% of the labor force. So, you know, when I talked to Yitzi, he said, pretty much everybody here with me, and he meant here on base, is connected to the tech industry in one way or another. And what kinds of companies are we talking about? Are these mostly big U.S. tech companies with outposts in Israel, or are there a lot of homegrown tech companies in Israel? Israel is nicknamed the startup nation for a reason. It has a huge number of homegrown tech companies. And then on top of those companies, you have pretty much all of the major U.S. tech companies, whether it's Meta or Google or 
Amazon that have uh, outposts or headquarters in Israel. So we're talking about, you know, many thousands of, of tech employees working in the country. And people like Yitzi Hammer, he's just one of many people who have been brought into this conflict to fight on Israel's behalf. I'm wondering if you have a sense already of how the tech sector has been impacted. It's clearly going to have some impact. There's going to be a disruption. There already has been a disruption. I spoke with a number of founders who, you know, all said work is the last thing on my mind right now. My only priority right now is, as far as work is concerned, is the safety of my employees and the safety of their families. A lot of the founders I spoke to do have counterparts or uh, colleagues in the U.S. and other countries. They talked about how those colleagues are really stepping up to share some of the load. Um, but there's obviously going to be, as is always the case in war, economic disruption. We'll be right back. Welcome back. And given that so many major U.S. tech companies have significant outposts in Israel, I wonder what are we hearing from tech leaders based here in the U.S.? How are they addressing the crisis? So a number of them have spoken out publicly. Sundar Pichai of Google said, you know, we've made contact with all of our, I think it was more than 2,000 Google employees in Israel, that they'd made contact with all of them and that prioritizing their safety is number one. Mark Zuckerberg at Meta said something to that effect. I think uh, that sort of it has been in these early weeks, um, the the sort of first priority is just ensuring that, that people are safe, that they're sort of human needs are met um, and that uh, and that, you know, whatever needs to happen in terms of productivity is kind of backburnered. One thing that I think has sort of manifested since my reporting, which was just in, in the days after the initial attacks, um, since the, you know, counterattacks have begun in Gaza, uh, I think there's also been a pretty widespread uh, or at least burgeoning um, movement of support among tech workers in support of Palestinian civilians who are now largely displaced um, and experiencing really catastrophic levels of violence. Um, and so I think we're seeing, you know, different sides of this tech industry in the U.S. rallying around folks on both sides of this war. It might seem that when we're talking about the Israeli tech sector, that there would be just kind of unified support for one side in this conflict. And I wonder if that's been what you've seen as you've been interviewing people, talking to people within the sector. Are there people also doing outreach to Palestinians that are having a very difficult and very trying time right now? Yeah, it is an important point. I mean, I would say, you know, I've already seen, uh, you know, some activism, for instance, from Amazon tech workers um, speaking out about Amazon's uh, contracts with the Israeli military. Um, so I think you are seeing, you know, areas where particularly worker led movements are uh, trying to speak up for the rights of Palestinian civilians um, who are caught in the midst of this conflict. That was Izzy Lepowski, a contributing writer for Fast Company. We've linked to Izzy's article in Fast Company on our website, marketplacetech.org, as well as a piece from TechCrunch on how Israel became such a tech hub in the first place. 
Israel's tech industry was already under pressure even before this month. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's controversial plan to overhaul the nation's judicial system prompted some tech players to tread carefully. Earlier this year, CNN profiled one company that moved funds and workers out of the country and cited a survey that found some tech companies laid off staff there. Jesus Alvarado produced this episode. Rosie Hughes and Daniel Shin also produce our show. Gary O'Keefe is our engineer. Daisy Palacios is the senior producer. Kelly Silvera is our executive producer. I'm Lily Dramali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.